0: It's important you come into God's house expecting for what God's going to do in your life. Not just wondering, wishing God would do something, but expecting God is going to do something. In the parking lot, you should have your worship music blaring. You should be walking into the house of God with some confidence, like it's about to go down. God's going to speak to me. And so I want to encourage you today that God's going to do exactly that. He's been moving in our earlier services, and this one is going to be no different. And so we're going to jump straight into it. And we're going to hear from 2 Samuel. Anybody ever heard of the book of 2 Samuel? Yes. Come on now. This is you, the first Bible study I ever did in my life was on First Samuel and 2 Samuel. And so it's one of my favorite. A um, lot of it tells the life of David and, of course, the prophet Samuel. But I believe it's going to encourage us today. We're going to take a look at 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1 through 16. It says, David again brought together all of the able young men of Israel, 30,000 men. We're a church that really believes that God has called men and women to work together. And and we we honor that and and women are in leadership and women are on the platform because we believe that's God divine ordained plan for us to partner together. But also we have found that whenever there is a move of God, the men rise up, take their rightful place, they're responsible. And I don't say that to discount what women do because many of us were raised by a strong woman, but many of us were raised by a strong woman Uh, because a man left her to be stronger than she should have been. And so there's this move of God happening in the church right now where men are taking their rightful place in the church, their rightful place in the presence of God. And we see that David, before the move of God, literally because they were moving the Ark of the Covenant, before the move of God, 30,000 men were mobilized. And it says, he and all his men went to Bala in Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Now, it's important that you recognize and we recognize that the ark was brought on a cart. God had said that the ark was not to be transported that way that Le- Levitical priests were supposed to carry the ark on these poles. There was a lot of different protocols and different things that God wanted the presence of God, the ark of the covenant to be carried in a certain way. And there's certain things in your life where you need protocols. And so many times that we think that rules or boundaries are restrictive as far as freedom, but everything in this life that's awesome has some type of protocol, some type of system. And I wanna encourage you today that sometimes God will put a protocol or a system in place designed to make you flourish, not to designed to restrict your freedom. And when you break that, you actually become in bondage. And so David and these guys carried the ark uh, with some oxen on a cart. And how did they get that? Why did they not call the Levitical priests? Well, one of the reasons could be is that the Ark of the Covenant was stolen by their enemy, the Philistines. The Philistines put it on a cart with some oxen and nobody... Uh, died with the Philistines, nothing happened. So maybe they were looking at that and saying, wow, okay, so if it worked for them, it can work for me. Maybe you're on Instagram saying, that person isn't following the Lord and they seem to be blessed. Working for them, it must work for me. I wanna tell you as a believer, what works for them will not work for you because there's a plan and a purpose on your life and God wants you to do it his way. One of the things that's crippling the church the most is doing God's will our own way. You got the right word you got the wrong way. And so this is what happened. And so look at the consequences of doing God's will your own way. It says that they set the Ark of God God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab who was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the Ark of God on it, and Ahio was walking in front of it. David and all of Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord. What a great worship service that was, doing something your own way. You can worship, but with castanets and harps and lyres. We don't even have lyres in our worship team. This was fire. We have no harps, no sistrums. But they were doing that, and then when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uza, come on, Brother Uza, just trying to stabilize something. Just Uza just came to church like, what's up? They worshiping, somebody's like, whoo, she playing that harp real good. They're clanging a the cymbal. Tambourine lady was going in, and Uza, the Ark of the Covenant, he wasn't supposed to touch. The, the oxen trip. The oxen probably were so enraptured in the presence of God, the oxen like hoof caught a rock and like, oh, oh. And then next thing you know, the Ark of the Covenant, Uzzah was like, hold on, Lord, hold on. Touch the Ark of the Covenant just to try to keep it falling, from falling on the ground. And look what happened to Brother Uzzah. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down and he died there beside the Ark of God. Shoot. That don't sound like very much Grace. But this was the glory of the Lord. The Ark of the Covenant represented God's presence. It represented the glory of the Lord. I have found in my life that grace has no rules. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. You can never run away from the grace of God, but glory has rules. If you want the Lord to manifest himself in your life, there is a protocol to this. And you got to follow the protocol. Come on, you got a job. You can't just call a CEO and tell him that the the break room has no more creamer. That's breaking the protocol. Like, you can't, there's a protocol. And and you you can't just break the protocol. And they did. And look what happened. David got mad. Says in verse 8, then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. Have you ever been mad because you did something your way? Mad at God? I just don't understand why this season has to be this way. And it's your fault. Am I the only one that's going to raise a hand? Right? You just mad doing God's will your way and mad when it doesn't work out? God, acting like something's wrong with God? You start questioning God? You ever done that? Like, God, what are you doing? And God's like, I'm the one that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You brand new, not me. you the one doing something I told you not to do. And so look what David did. David was afraid, so out of fear... He was afraid, he said, how can the ark of the Lord, which represented the manifest presence of God, the glory of the Lord, God in his fullness, in all his splendor, and all his majesty, David said, how can I have that around me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom. Now, my wife doesn't know about this yet, but if we ever have baby number three, and he is a son, he will be called Obed-Edom. Somebody say amen. Obed-Edom, the Giddite. My son will be Obed-Edom, the sherman Oaksite. That's where we stay. So the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Giddite, for three months. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. It doesn't say that Obed-Edom was on his face praying for his family to be blessed. The glory showed up and everybody was blessed. And so it says, now King David was told, hey, You know that thing that you didn't want? Well, that thing you didn't want, God gave it to somebody else. And now the thing you didn't want is blessing somebody else, which means that God's calling is not your calling per se. When God is trying to do something in the earth, he's going to do it either way. He won't take it from you because the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. But some of you are not walking in me, and I'm speaking to me, some of you aren't walking in the fullness of what God wants to do because you said you don't want it. The gifts of God, call of God are irrevocable. Without repentance, God will never take a calling or a gift from you, but you can forfeit it because David forfeited it and it went to Obed-Edom and Obed-Edom was winning. And they told David about it. The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So in the uh, the new Tyrone translation, It says, so David went up to get that thing. Come on, somebody say, (laughs) David said, hold up. Right? I love the fact that David gave it up, but could go back and get it at any time. Because David knew that Obed-Edom's house was flourishing. I want to preach a message to you called functioning. That's really a question. Functioning or flourishing? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for your holy word. I know that because of who you are, You can use me in spite of who I am. I'm not perfect, but you are. So God, I pray that your uh, wisdom and revelation would flow out of my spirit into your sons and daughters so that they can be fed and receive what you have for them today. In Jesus' name, amen. I felt like God gave me this message because I've I've met so many people as a pastor that are committed to functioning. A couple days ago, I was talking to somebody and they had spent some time in prison and I asked them how are you doing? What are you doing? They said, oh, just trying to stay out of trouble. Because they had been to prison, they gave up on the idea that they could ever flourish and ever do anything. Now the new vision for their life is just not to go back to prison. Literally, the new vision is to not go back to prison. And some of you, you came to Oasis, God set you free, out of bondage, got you out of the prison that's in your mind and in your soul. And so now the new calling or vision of your life is to just not go back to what God brought you out of. But I want to tell you that that's just functioning. Some of us, we, we've been through a really terrible breakup. And you might not say it out loud. You might not say it out loud that you don't believe God has somebody for you. But deep down, you would never share the part of your heart that you would need to share with that person because you did it with your ex and they trampled all over you. So then now, if someone's going to marry me and someone's going to be with me, then, then they're just going to have to accept my lack of engagement. They're going to have to accept the, the lack of my capacity to share my heart because I'll never do that again. I'll never do that again. I'll never share my heart again. I'll never let somebody in the way that I let that person in. Some of us outside, you know, we're not in community. We know how to wave. We know how to hold the sign, God is for you. Come on, we're twirling the sign, God is for you, boomerang on Instagram. And deep down in your heart, God is for you. But I'm not, because listen to you, I'm not God. last time I was for somebody, they let me down. Last time I loaned somebody back money, they didn't. They weren't there for me when I needed it. And we start committing to functioning, not flourishing. Right, somebody in here, you got 100 no's. You moved out here from uh, 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 from another state and you moved out here. And somebody in this room, you actually lied to somebody back home and told them you booked something you didn't book because of the pain that you're just functioning. So then now we wanna pretend that we're flourishing. This is why credit cards are being swiped at alarming rates so people can look like they're flourishing when in their soul they're just functioning. And God wants to heal somebody, move somebody from functioning to flourishing. Somebody this week, you're just raising the kids and, you know, you're getting paid every couple of weeks and somebody says, how's things going? You know, just trying to make it work. That's it. Just trying to make it work. God didn't die so you can make it work. God died so you would flourish. And the enemy wants to make you give up on the possibility that you could flourish so that you would only function. The enemy wants to put you in so much dysfunction in your life, the dream comes becomes being functional. The enemy wants you and your husband to argue so much, the new dream is just to get along. The new dream is just to like not sit and share a meal and we don't fight. God's not saying that he wants your new dream to be that you don't fight. God still has a plan and a purpose for your marriage, but the enemy wants us to be addicted to functioning. Why? Because functioning doesn't require faith. I know how to function. I know how to pull myself up by the bootstraps. I don't even have a pair of boots, but I know how to do that. I know how to put a smile on my face. I know how to smile and wave. I know how to quote a verse I don't believe. I know how to say Ephesians 3.20, for God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more ask more. I didn't say right, exceedingly abundantly more than I can ask, imagine, or think. Right? We know how to quote that, but what happens when we're not imagining anything? The verse says that God can do more than you can imagine, ask for, or think of. But then in your brokenness and your pain, you don't ask, you don't think of or imagine anything, therefore you restrict what God could do in your life because he says, I'll do more. He never released you from not asking. He never released you from not imagining. He never released you from not thinking about what God could do in your life. And he promises he'll do more than that. So the enemy comes and he says, I, I'm gonna hurt you so bad that you'll be committed to functioning. There was a, a, rap, a rap song a few years ago. And if you know any songs that aren't by rappers that deal with this, uh, in this problem, you can throw it out. But a song from rapper a few years ago, this rap group, it was literally a song called, We Just Out Here Trying to Function. I'm like, what kind of song title is that? You just trying to function? You know, like, just trying to get by? Come on, I bet if someone made a song about you just trying to get by, that song would blow up right now because people were like, "Yep, mm mm-hmm, just trying to get by. And some people that have been following God the longest are the worst at this. Following God 10, 15, 20 years. Knowing God spoke to you. Somebody tells you, whatever happened to that thing that God spoke to you? Well, Lord, if it be his, if it be your will. (laughs) Where is that in the Bible? You ever heard some of the old, old school people? Lord, if it be your will. I feel like God's saying from heaven, it is. What do you mean, if it be your will that I would get out of debt? If it be your will that I can pay my rent? If it be your will that I would get married? It is my will. It's always been my will. I have not called you to function. I've called you to flourish. Why would I send my son? Why would I have my son give up heaven, give up flourishing, just so you can function? Why would, can I tell you this, sometimes with sin, we are so worried about sin, which, which Jesus came to pay for, then we actually don't sin, but we also don't flourish. That's not the point, that you wouldn't. Jesus died, so what you would do, and what you can do, and what you will do, if we give up this fear that tells us, hey, let's just function, And not flourish. This is why David and the Israelites got in so much trouble. Because they thought it was just cool if the if the Ark of the Covenant could functionally get to where it goes. Like, let's not reinvent the wheel, which is a good phrase, unless God's trying to reinvent the wheel. Can I say it to somebody? We say all the time, let's not reinvent the wheel. Yeah, I agree. Unless God's trying to reinvent the wheel. Unless God's trying to change something. So literally, they put this ark of the covenant on something, and God said, no, I'm going to teach you that functioning is dangerous. Functioning will kill you. I believe through this verse, God is speaking to me that if you just commit yourself to functioning and not flourishing, it'll take you out. He says, no, you can't do that. And somebody died, and David got upset and gave what caused all of Israel to flourish. He gave it away to Obed-Edom. There is somebody in here, and I'm not trying to be, but man, there's somebody in here. We're in the spiritual realm. Somebody named Obed-Edom has your purpose or calling. Because you gave it up. But here's the good news. You can go back and get it like David did. Not today. You're not having my destiny, right? And I want to give you a clue. I want to give you a clue. The person who might have it, It might be somebody you're jealous of or you're upset. You notice someone and they have what you don't have, maybe just cheer them on because maybe God's just trying to show you what he's getting ready to do. Maybe God's just trying to show you what he's getting ready to do for you. And if you got really a lot of faith and you're ready to flourish, there's some people in here who are called to ministry, who are called to preach. Let me tell you right now, you are not ever going to do what I do. You're going to do more than what I do. That's why God has me up here so that you would do more. Jesus says you'll do even more. But we keep trying to increase invalidation instead of miracles. He gave us a promise that the glory would be revealed through the church, that we have signs and wonders, we'll follow them that believe, but we want followers, not signs and wonders. We want booked auditions, not signs and wonders. We want a big bank account, not people getting up out of wheelchairs and God saying, I never said I'd give you more money. I said there'd be more signs, more wonders. My glory would be revealed in the church. But we just want to function. And I just want to function and David's commitment to function and not flourishing killed somebody. Now, thank God for Jesus and his blood. It's not killing somebody, but it will kill something in your life that God always wanted to thrive and flourish. Why the Ark of the Covenant? Why was God so serious about this Ark of the Covenant? The word Ark comes from a, a word Tiva in the Hebrew that just means literally container or cabinet. It's a different word than Noah's Ark. That was a different word. But the same word, teva, was the same word used to describe what Moses' mother put him in when he was on the Nile River. She put him in the Ark. Literally the Ark that Noah was in, the basket was called an Ark. And it contained what would be the salvation or the picture of salvation for the Israelites from Egypt. And now all these hundreds of years later, now the Ark of the Covenant contains the presence of God, the manifest glory of the Lord. This is why it's so important that you and I come to church, because the Bible says where two or more are gathered, God is in their midst. We already know that God is omnipresence. The midst means he's in the middle of. So when two or more are gathered and they agree, God's presence shows up in a powerful way. You never have to go in church and complain ever again about the preacher not being anointed because all you got to do is bring your own glory. Rocking with someone else who brought their own glory. Two of y'all, spirit's going to fall, God's in the midst. If someone says, how was service today? Right? fire why cuz i brought the fire i'm not just relying on pastor julian to study the bible for 18 hours i mean i will but if you would bring your own fire in here what if i'm dry what if i'm feeling dry you going to encourage me what if i'm dry coming in here all lips all ashy struggling elbows ain't been lotion in 3 weeks spirit dry what about you are you going to bring your own fire that's the point, that you would flourish. This is a game changer because the Ark of the Covenant contained something. So God was picky because of what it contained. God's saying, I, I, want, you to, I want you to build this thing carefully because it carries the manifest presence of who I am. And look at the Ark of the Covenant. This is why God made a big deal out of it. This is why he killed somebody. Because it was a temporary, primary, initial stage of salvation from sin and judgment with working parts and tangible items on the Ark of the Covenant. Each that represented something of God's grand scheme of redemption. Each item in detail pointed to the ultimate Savior, Jesus Christ. The Ark of the Covenant was like, it was a small box and it, and it was about four and a half feet in length about two feet, eight inches in width, and it was made of an enduring wood. So it was made of a wood that could stand the test of time. See, this is why God is making you persevere and endure, because you are a container of the Holy Spirit. So God wants a container that is strong, so that it it, it is it can carry the presence of God without giving up and without quitting. So, so in the New Testament, you are like that enduring wood. So God makes you persevere through things. And listen to this. Upon the upper part of it was a golden crown in which fitted a solid slab of gold. And it was covered with pure gold, both within and without. So God put his presence in something extremely valuable. This is why the enemy is so diligent about attacking you and making you feel like you're not valuable because God put his presence in something valuable. Here's the thing. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit fell out. What happened? The Holy Spirit filled the believers. But before the Holy Spirit filled the believer, before God's Holy Spirit, which is obviously valuable, then God had to increase the value of the container, which is why he died on the cross, to increase the value of the container so that when the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit didn't bring value, the container was valuable, therefore ready to be filled with the Spirit of God. So then... If you don't feel valuable, then what's inside of you goes to waste. Can you imagine putting a precious liquid in a shaking container and it all spills out? That's the point. That's why God's working on you in this season, because you're so valuable. And if the enemy can make you feel like you're not valuable, then you replace being valuable with validation. So many of the things we do for validation is just counterfeit value that God always wanted to give us. And this is how you know you're walking in true value is you feel valuable even when you are doing nothing. You don't need to do anything. I lay that down every day, Lord, I don't ever need to do anything. I don't ever need to go anywhere. I don't ever need I'm valuable outside of what I do. How you know that you might just be functioning? One thing I'll tell you how you know. Is how upset you get if you don't get to do something. And I've been dealing with that too. I want to do so much for God. How upset do you get if you don't get to do something? You might be just functioning. We'll give you another way, you might just be functioning. How old are your testimonies? You still telling about what God did back at youth camp? And you 37? You still talking about 95? you still talking about back in 2001, the Lord, whoo 2001, woo. God was moving. And your testimonies are just old, right? I don't think testimonies expire. Maybe they should. Maybe God should just make you, like I went to go get some half and half this morning. We didn't run out of half and half. It just expired. It went back. Maybe God's saying, you know what, that testimony's a little old. Like, will you have some faith and let me do something new? Like, I want to do something new. I remember when you didn't have a car in 94, and then the new Maxima came out, somebody blessed you with a new Maxima. But I'm like, nobody really drives Maximas anymore. (laughs) Can you believe for a Tesla at all this point? I'm not just talking about material things, I'm talking about if you're just functioning, you never take a risk. All risk brings fear. And there's not a single thing in your life that you're doing by faith. You're only doing things with faith. I'm talking about the thing that ain't with faith. If it's not by faith, if God don't move, somebody's in trouble. That's when you know you're getting ready to flourish. If this don't work out, I don't know what I'm going to do. That's what God has called the church to be. We still have a church that's still afraid when people are possessed with demons. We walk the other way. You know, the church... In the biblical days, used to run to what we run from. Because they knew this was about flourishing. And so God said, I'm working on the container. The Ark of the Covenant was the container for the glory and presence of God. You know what would happen if we had an Ark of the Covenant, if we had the Ark of the Covenant right here, right now on this platform? Do you know what would happen? Do you know what would happen if the Ark of the Covenant was in your house? Absolutely nothing. It was a trick question. (laughs) Nothing. Because God hasn't chosen the Ark of the Covenant anymore to carry the glory of the Lord. Let me read to you a verse that's really going to trip you out. Because I couldn't believe when I read this verse that the Ark of the Covenant was so valuable. The presence of the glory of the Lord was shining so strong from it that somebody died because they mishandled it. And look what God has to say in Jeremiah 3 verses 14 through 17. It says, return home, you wayward children. I love that. The church has always been about reaching the lost. I don't believe in when somebody says, oh, yeah, they just cater to people that don't know the Lord. Praise God that a church is catering towards people who doesn't know the Lord. Because let me tell you something. I want to live my life. I didn't walk away from my old life to be rolling around with you praying in tongues for 18 hours and not reaching nobody. I want somebody to know the Lord like I know the Lord. And all that stuff is great, but this says no. The goal is that way where children would return home. It says, says the Lord, for I am your master. Watch this, I will bring you back to the land of Israel, one from this town and two from that family, from wherever you are scattered. And I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will guide you with knowledge and understanding. And when your land is once more filled with people, says the Lord, you will no longer wish for the good old days when you possess the ark of the Lord's covenant. You will not miss those days or even remember them and there will be no need to rebuild the ark. Something that was so powerful, God says you won't need something that contained the manifest presence of God, God's glory shown out of this box when the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat and God is saying, you won't need that, you don't need to rebuild that, why? Let me tell you why. Because today, we celebrate Palm Sunday. And on Palm Sunday in the Bible, Oh, just over 2,000 years ago, on Palm Sunday, Jesus got on a colt, got on a donkey, and made a triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And they laid palm fronds down, and they shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, God in the highest peace in heaven and peace on earth and they were worshiping him on Sunday but by Thursday they changed their mind and Jesus was arrested, made up something about him. And then on Friday he was crucified on a cross so that you and I, you and I could have redemption from sin so we could be set free from the things that kept us in bondage for years. On Friday Jesus was hung on a cross so that you and I didn't have to be. But also so that there would be no more need for the Ark of the Covenant, that you and I would be the new containers of the glory of the Lord. Can I show you a picture? It's the formation that the Israelites were camped in in the wilderness. That cloud up there represents God's glory. The high priest would go in there and he'd pour blood On the mercy seat that was the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. And when God was pleased with the sacrifice, the glory, that is the Shekinah glory of God. It's the glory God manifested himself so strong you can see it. You could see a glory cloud, literally. This has only happened to me once in my life, but there was a, I could see something, and the Bible, and the Bible says that that glory cloud shot out of the Ark of the Covenant, in the tent, out of the tent of meeting, and those 12 tribes of the 12 tribes of Israel camped around the presence of God. So many people come to church, and they're camped around a preacher. They're camped around a podcast. They're camped, and they're fans of some, Pastor Julian, you're so awesome. Philip is amazing. Yes, we are but let me tell you something you are not supposed to camp around us you are supposed to camp around the presence of the Lord now I want to show you something put the picture back up notice the formation there is is in the shape of a cross Because over 2,000 years later, Jesus would be hung on the cross. Maybe, Maybe hung on the, he would be hung on the cross so that maybe we would realize that this was bigger than redemption of sin. So that was what was in the Ark of the Covenant would be in you and me. That's what he died for. That's why God, this is a prophecy. Camp around the presence. Because guess what? In the shape of a cross, because over 2,000 years later, Jesus will be hung on the cross that you're camping in the shape of. And then what's in that ark will go in God's people. When Jesus died on a Friday, listen to this verse. When Jesus died on a Friday, that Ark of the Covenant was in this place called the Holy of Holies behind a veil that a high priest could only go in there once a year. And look at what happened in Matthew 27, verse 50 and 51. It says, and when Jesus cried out again, this is the death of Jesus in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two, releasing the Shekinah manifest glory of the Lord, where? Not in energy, not into the universe, not so you would have to burn a sage or follow a horoscope, but so that you would put your faith in Jesus and what busted out behind the veil invaded your life, in you. And you would become, and we would become the new Ark of the Covenant. Now guess what? There doesn't need to be Levitical priests to carry the Ark of of the Covenant into Obed-Edom's house. If you have a homie named Obed-Edom, you are filled with the Holy Spirit and the glory of the Lord. When you show up to Obed-Edom's house, Obed-Edom's house becomes blessed. We sang this song earlier, let your glory fill this house. What about let your glory fill my house? every bedroom, every corner, every bathroom. When I look in the mirror and feel like I'm not enough, let your glory fill my house. Because where the glory of the Lord is, there is always flourishing. Colossians 1.27 says this, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. What's the mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. I want you to write this down. The key to flourishing is not what happens for you, but what happens in you. And so many of us are not flourishing because we're waiting for God to do something for us. But God's saying, no, I wanna do something in you. I want the glory of the Lord to be revealed in your life. This is why this is such a tough season, because God's working on his containers. And we want him to work on the blessing. God said, no, 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 no. Actually, some of that stuff has been put on hold. Because I'm working on the container. God's not giving stuff out in this season. You know what he's doing? He's working on you. And then he'll, you'll show up to something that was bad and it becomes good. Let your light shine before men that they may glorify your father who is in heaven. In this season, God's not giving you a good job. He's filling you with his glory, and you'll show up to a bad job that becomes a good job because you showed up. You're not booking the right role. You're booking the wrong role, but you are a carrier of the glory of the Lord, and you're going to make the wrong role the right role. You don't need to find a good man. You could show up to a bet. No, I'm just playing. (laughs) Somebody was sitting there, boyfriend, like, yes! (laughs) No, it don't work with dating. It don't work with dating. It's the only place this don't work. (laughs) I got to be really clear. The glory don't work. The the glory don't work on your boo. Only on you. Come on, somebody say amen. (laughs) Glory don't work on your boo. They'd be just as trifling. All kind of glory in your house. They just, just as trifling and I don't know what. But what I'm saying is is that Romans 12 says we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. We're offering our bodies as a container for the glory of the Lord and we don't need to say, God bless me. We we need to say, God change me. Because when you change me, everything I step into is blessed. God said to Joshua, if you meditate on my word and you don't depart from it, you'll be successful, what, when? Where you go where you go. So many of us are praying, God, do you want me to do this? God, do you want me to do that? Sometimes that's a great prayer, but sometimes we can have so much glory on us, where we go is God. My dad told me one time, he said, I haven't flown since 9-11. And I said, because oh, he says, I haven't flown since 9-11 because I've been scared to fly. He says, you're not scared to fly. Like when the planes crash and did all this, I said, no, I'm not scared to fly. You know why, Dad? Because if this plane was crashing, it isn't anymore. I'm on the plane. Yeah. Know that. Let me tell y'all, if this plane was going down, you better be glad I booked a 999 flight on Southwest because I got the will of God to complete on my life. Everybody's life is getting saved. I'm a container of the glory of the Lord. So I got angels that will protect these wings. My plane ain't going down because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. So I don't need to be scared of no thing and no man. Not anymore. See, that's what happens when you let God work on your container. You could just say it. Not anymore. This this job wasn't flourishing, but not anymore. My house was struggling, but not anymore. I thought my kids weren't going to graduate, but not anymore. I didn't think the business was going to work out, but not anymore. My house is about to be like Obed-Edom's house. Glory to the Lord just shows up, blessed for 90 days, and you can't keep me from what God has for me. Because what God has for me, he's not doing for me. He's doing through me. I'm not praying all these babysitter baby children prayers god do this for me do that no god do it through me let your glory be revealed in my life right here right now god clean up my container you want me to read a verse to you that will help you flourish in every season of your life. I'm gonna give you two words that if you do these two words, no matter what's going on, the glory of the Lord will be revealed in your life and you will be blessed and you will flourish in every season. I'm not just talking about financially, I'm talking about spiritually. If you do these two words, no matter what you're going through, every season, you'll never have to function again. You will flourish in every season. Are you ready to hear the two words? I got them for you. The Lord sent me to tell you these two words. God said, get up. Get up!